Some pretty incredible stuff, right? Yeah. And what's amazing about that is I know that's a lot of numbers, but every number represents a name, represents a story behind that. And I hope you got to watch our year-end celebration that went into more detail into what God did last year. But it really is incredible. I mean, it's amazing. Um, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people are affected by what God is doing here. And that's why we wanted to celebrate that. Another thing that we didn't share there, but we had over 4,000 people at our Christmas gatherings, uh, which was more, here's what's amazing to me, it was more than what we had in 2019, which was BC, before COVID. <laughs> and so I don't like the phrase that we're back because it's the concept of, you know, like we somehow left and we never did. Um, but what's amazing to me is coming out of that season, how we are now gathering together in ways even we weren't doing prior to before then. And so we're so grateful that God has continued to move and we're looking forward to what he's gonna do. One last number I wanna share with you that happened this week is I also celebrated my 21 year anniversary with my lovely wife, Lindsay. And so, yeah. She was the one that was there on the screen, and it's pretty obvious why I married her. Um, she is an amazing, amazing person. And I've shared this story before, but uh, obviously I was attracted to her. She's a beautiful person. But what really attracted me to her was her heart for ministry. We were doing ministry together at this local trailer park, taking church to kids on a weekly basis. And there was a kid that got hurt, and she ran to him and started ministering to him. I was like, oh, she loves Jesus and helping people too. This is, this is a winner right here, baby. Um, and so we've been married now for 21 years and it's just been amazing. And so we're so grateful for what God did last year. We're grateful and expectant for what he's gonna do this year. I'm gonna pray before we jump into the message. So pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are. And God, we thank you for what you've done in this last year, how you moved. And obviously we just hit highlights of those Numbers, God, there's so many more things that you did, and we're so incredibly grateful. We always want to be a church that is on mission because you have given us this mission. That's the last thing you told us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so that is what we do. We just call that we want to grow people. And so, God, as we enter into a new year, we pray that you would give us the grace that we need to continue this mission not only in our own lives, in our families, but in our communities. And God, now as we open up your word, we ask you to speak to us. God, we believe that your word is the authority in our lives. That is why we gather together weekly to not only worship you and glorify you, but to hear from you, for you to speak to us through your word. And so God, I pray that you would help us. Open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear, to know, believe, love what we're going to see. And God, as always, I pray that you would help me as well to preach in a way that honors you and is helpful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've been preaching through the gospel according to John for quite some time now, and we'll get back into that. But we always take a season at the beginning of the year uh, normally five weeks, and this is a five-week series called Abide. And it's a, it's a season, a time for us where we set aside at the beginning of every year some focused time to pray and to fast, 
to seek God, to say, God, we want you, we desire you, we want to abide in you more than anything else. And so since we're taking a break from the Gospel of John and getting into this concept of abide, I thought it'd be really good to go back and read John. (laughs) So if you could open up your Bible to John chapter one. John chapter one. And what's funny is, and obviously I meant that to be funny, uh, and I'm glad you understood it and you laughed, all right? Um, But in John chapter one is a, a question that Jesus asked two disciples that I think is so good for us to think about in this concept of a new year. As I was studying this, there was definitely, there's other scriptures I'm gonna get into too, but this question that Jesus asked at the beginning of John chapter one, I thought, man, this is so great. And and again, I knew we'd been in John, and I guess I just couldn't quit it, all right? And so I had to get back into it. So John chapter one, verses 35 through 39. So if you are there, you can read it. But I'm actually gonna read it out of the NIV, because this is how I first, the NIV was the very first Bible I was given, And so that's the one I memorized. So that's how I learned of this story. But if you have the ESV, obviously you can still read along. But here we go, verse 35. It says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, or behold, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Verse 38, here's the operative question. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. Now, this question that Jesus asked them is the question that I want us to think about. Jesus, in this scenario, if you don't know what's happening, John the Baptist, which was the forerunner to Jesus, he was his cousin, he was the one that was preparing the way for Jesus. And so we've already preached through this, but I know it's been a minute since we've been in John chapter one. But John the Baptist is preaching and he has disciples. People are following him. And he doesn't know exactly who the Lamb of God is yet, but when he comes, the the God had told him, the Spirit had told him, when he comes, you will see this happen. And so he sees that happen, and then Jesus like there, or John's like, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. Behold him. And you know the story, John also baptized him. And it was at that point in time that some of John's disciples start turning to follow Jesus and start going after Jesus. And what's so interesting to me, this story tells us two of them go after Jesus, and the moment they go after Jesus, he turns and asks them this question. What do you want? What do you want? In the ESV, it says, what are you seeking? But it's this concept of want that I want to talk about. You know, when you think about this question, what do you want? There's probably a lot of things that you want. And I want you to hear me say this. It's not bad to want things. I hope you want to be healthy in 2023. I hope you want to have good relationships, right? I hope you want to be satisfied and fulfilled in your job, in your work, and what you do. I hope you want to take a break, right? There's a lot of things that we want, and those wants are desires in themselves aren't necessarily bad. In fact, a lot of them are from God. But this question that Jesus is asking is it's 
What do you want in an ultimate sense? What do you want? If I were to ask you this question in 2023, say, if there is one thing, one thing that you want, what do you want most in 2023? What do you want? And what I love about this question is, I think it's the best question that Jesus could have asked them. Notice what he doesn't ask him. He doesn't say, hey, what do you know? Or he doesn't even ask them, what do you believe? Which is where we would start a lot of times. Obviously, because belief is huge. We have to believe that Jesus is the son of God, right? We believe that he's the only way. And so belief is a huge thing. But that's not what Jesus asks. He doesn't say, what do you know? What do you believe? He doesn't even say, why? He says, what do you want? And here's why I think he asked the question. In fact, if you want to take notes, this is what I want us to focus on. We are what we want. We are what we want. You know, the concept of want is the idea of what you desire. It's the concept of what your heart wants. You know, coming out of the Enlightenment period from several hundred years ago, which led to modernity, and now we are in post-modernity, the concept of thought was huge. If you remember back in school at R, if you studied at all, a guy named Descartes said, I think... Therefore, I am. And his whole concept and the whole concept of the Enlightenment as knowledge was starting to spread largely because of the printing press, which the Bible was the very first one printed. And now we've got the advent of the internet, thanks to Al Gore, right? And so knowledge just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And now we have bought into this concept that I am what I think. I am what I think. Or as Descartes said, I think, therefore, I am. And the whole concept is, if you just change your thoughts, then you'll change your life. And what we think about what we think is our mind is the one that really controls things. And so, therefore, when it comes to following Jesus, it's like, okay, I need to know something. So there's more information I need to get. And I'm not saying that's not important, but let me ask you one question here. Just a straw poll. Both campuses, I want you to raise your hand. Is there some things that you know you need to do, but you don't do them by a show of hands? Let's look around the room. Okay, okay. Well, if there's some things you know, but you don't do them, then maybe you're more than what you think. Let me say it to you like this. Maybe it's not a problem of knowledge. Maybe it's not a problem of knowing. And this is where most of us get tripped up when it comes to transformation. We think that transformation comes from just more information, which is why we buy stuff all the time. I mean, you might have already bought a new program for this year. You might have already bought something that you're getting more information from someone. I'm not saying that's bad. 
And that might be a diet thing, that might be a health thing, that might be a book, you know, something like, I need more information. And there's a role that it plays, but what I'm trying to get you to see here is at the end of the day, what's most important is not what you think, it's what you want. You see, here's what I've realized, and here's what I think Jesus is getting at here. You are what you want. Why? Let me give you the second point. Because what we want directs what we do. What we want directs what we do. And here's what I mean by that. If you want to change your habits, if you want to change your lifestyle, it's not going to come by redirecting your mind, by just sheer willpower. Haven't we tried that one before? Right? Like we just came out of the holidays. Holy days. You know, that's where the name comes from. That's why you don't have to get so bit out of shape when people say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. They don't know it, but subversively, they're still being Christian. Because <laughs> it's holy days. We're just coming out of that season, right? And it's one of my favorite seasons because spontaneously people just drop stuff off at the office different snacks and food, and we bless them. We honor them by eating them, right? And please keep that up every year. If anybody on our staff tells you that, no, don't listen to them. You get it from me, all right? So we're coming out of that time, right? And we understand about willpower where you try to tell yourself, no, I'm not gonna touch that. I'm not gonna eat that. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna talk to them. But here's what you need to know. Your brain is a muscle and it gets tired just like any other muscle and you can say no seven times but then that eighth one, right? And if, if we're not careful, we think that we can be transformed by simply redirecting our thoughts. But what Jesus is getting out here with these disciples is not what do you think, but what do you want? What do you want? See, here's my whole thought process of why I think Jesus asked this question. You can't change your behaviors. You can't change your willpower without changing what you want. But here's what I also know. If you change what you want, the behavior naturally follows. Let me give you a verse, Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 4.23, I have it here on the screen, also in the NIV, because it's how I first memorized it. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you, what's that next word there? Do. Everything you do flows from it. Notice he doesn't say, above all else, guard your mind. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do, flows from it. Let me give you some really bad news and then some really good news. You want to know why in 2022 you sinned? Because you wanted to. You wanted to. And I don't know how long you've been following Jesus, 
But this might revolutionize your life with him. It revolutionized, revolutionized, you think I would know that word. It changed my life in my late 20s, early 30s. And what I mean by that is I used to pray to God, and I've said this many times in sermons before, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Help me not do that. Until I realized I was actually lying to God. The problem is I did want to do that. And so I just started getting real honest in my prayers with God. I would say, God, you know I want to do this thing. My flesh, the natural me, wants to do this. But there's a new me now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm a new creation in Christ. So would you help the new me want you more than I want this? And it started changing my life because I started being honest with what I really wanted. I mean, this is how I pray when I'm driving down 575. When I'm driving down and somebody cuts me off, I say, Lord, I really want to hit them right now. I really want to point them to you, Lord. But I got that dead R sticker on the back of my truck. <laughs> and what I want more than that is I want them to know that people who drive with those R stickers are nice people. I have, I have literally had an HOA report someone to our church before because they were driving dangerous in a neighborhood with an R sticker. So watch yourself. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. What do you want? What do you want? Because what you want directs what you do. What's interesting when Jesus turns to these two disciples and he says, what do you want? Their answer is, we want to know where you're staying. Now, that seems like a weird thing that they want to know, right? We're like, we just want to know, Jesus, you staying at Holiday Inn, Ramada, what kind of dude are you? Well, you have to understand culturally why they asked the question. See, back then, when you went to school, you didn't go off to school like our kids do today, like for college or some kind of vocational training, right? You go to school. Back then, what you did is you went to a teacher, and you followed the teacher around, and you were a disciple of that teacher, and that teacher taught you wherever they went. And so when they asked the question, we wanna know where you're staying, in essence, what they're asking is, we wanna know what it's gonna cost us to follow you. What's it gonna cost us to follow you? Are you walking up that mountain right there? Because if you're walking up that mountain, we may, nah, I don't really want that. Are you walking down? Where are, you, where are you going? What are you doing? What kind of dude are you? And what's interesting, and Jesus says to them, well, you got to come and see. You got to come and see. And it's at that, that moment they have a decision to make. Now, the text tells us, so they went and saw. But why did they go and see? Because what they wanted 
directed them. And here's the interesting thing about following Jesus. It's like when God called Abram way back in Genesis 12. He says, I'm calling you away from your family to a land I will show you. Think about that. Dude was 75 years old. I've talked a lot about him. He has to leave his family for a land that God will show him. And the amazing thing is he does it and God shows him. But he doesn't show him at the beginning. Why? Well, how much do you want it? See, here's what's interesting about the question. Jesus says, what do you want? Because how bad you want to follow me will determine if you actually do follow me, not, watch this, if you get all the information first. You want to know so many times why you and I want to know God's will? We want him to download to us everything that he wants us to do in 2023 so we can decide if we want to do it or not. God, I just want to know. Why do you want to know so bad? Here's what I think. It's because we want to know what it is more than we want to know who it is. We want to know, God, tell me everything so that I can kind of lay it out and figure it out. And Jesus says, no, if you want me, you just got to come and see. Because what I'm calling you to is not a place. What I'm calling you to is a relationship with a person. What do you want? Now let's go Matthew chapter five, verse six. You say, what does any of this have to do with abiding? It has everything to do with it. In Jesus's very first sermon, which he would have preached after he called these disciples, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a real creative title. It's because he preached a sermon on a mountain. We get real creative. And in this sermon, he does this first section called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are a state of blessing. And what's interesting is Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, lays down what his whole ministry is about in this sermon, in these series of Beatitudes. And I'm just going to focus on one, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Now we're going to enter into a season of fasting and prayer, and I'll talk about the details of that in just a second, which is one of the reasons why I chose this verse of hunger. But the main reason why is to point out something. Listen to the type of word that Jesus uses here. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I'm pretty sure you know what the word hunger is, but let me just give you the definition of it. I have it here on the screen. Hunger is a compelling need, here's the operative word, or desire for food. The painful sensation or state of weakness caused by the need of food. It's interesting that Jesus uses the word hunger when it comes to following him. 
It's, it's interesting that he uses the word want when he talked to those first two disciples. See, want and hunger are all about hearts, desires. We could read this verse and say, blessed are those who want righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, I understand hunger. What I don't understand is people who have said things like this to me in the past. You know, I just got so busy today, I forgot to eat. I do not understand you. I don't. Because your boy ain't never too busy to eat. In fact, it reminded me of a quote that I read. I'm just going to read it to you from a guy who talked about these kind of people. He said, people who forget to eat are amazing to me. I miss one meal and I'm burning bridges with immediate family members. I miss two, that's organ failure. Total body and mind shut down by the end of one calendar day. That's a dude I understand. I don't understand people like, I'm just too busy to eat. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm never too busy to eat, y'all. Because your boy gets hungry. I have a desire. And here's what's crazy. Short of trying to figure out where we want to eat, which might be the most dangerous question for those of you that are thinking about getting married, don't ever ask your spouse, where do you want to go? It will lead you into the counselor's chair. <laughs> but why do you ask the question, where do you want? And say, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, how about here? No, I don't want that. Why don't you just tell me what you want? Because what I want directs where I go. See, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. The problem is not that you and I don't have enough information. The problem is not that you and I just have behaviors that are quote unquote bad. The problem is you and I want the wrong things. Remember earlier I told you I had bad news. Bad news is you want to sin. But then I said I had good news. Here's the good news. Good news is the key to transformation is wanting something different. The key to transformation is not downloading some awesome pro program. It, it's not getting everything lined out at first. It's just shifting what you want. Let me say it to you like this. Next point. There is only one kind of hunger that is blessed. There's only one kind of hunger that is blessed. I love that Jesus uses the word hunger because I can understand him. But two, because Jesus dignifies the idea of hunger. Notice Jesus doesn't say it's a problem if you're hungry. The presence of hunger is not the problem. It's the object of it. The presence of it is not the problem. It's the object of it. So here's how we get ourselves in trouble. 
We give up for what we want most for what we want now. The reason why we sin is we give up what we want most for what we want now. But the good news is, if you just change your wants, if you hunger for something different, Jesus says, you'll be satisfied. And that hunger will direct what you do. So the good news is, you don't have to figure out all the ins and outs yet. You don't have to know all the details yet. If you'll just change your heart, the actions will follow. So that's the setup as to why we do this season of prayer and fasting. We do this season of prayer and fasting at the beginning of every year. We've been doing it for six or seven years now. I can't remember how many. Because what it does is it reorients our hunger. It reorients our desires. Because here's what I know to be true. You go without eating for a day. I already read one guy's response. You go without eating for a day or two, and then you start coming to grips with who you really are. What is it that you want? In fact, I joked about this at our Thursday night gathering, which we have a Thursday night gathering if you are working on the weekends. I joked about, and I didn't think about it until I was preaching, which is why the sermons go long a lot of times, because I think as I talk, I'm a true extrovert. So I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And I was thinking about the whole process of premarital counseling. And here's what I thought, and we may institute this as a part of our premarital. I think anybody who is engaged to be married, they both should fast for three days. Because nothing will reveal who they are faster than that. See, we don't realize how much we mask stuff with food. You know how they say, you're not really hungry, you're thirsty. And so this desire for food, this, this, this hunger starts masking other things that we think that's what we want, but, but we learned how to use food as comfort food, even though the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. So we start masking our wants. And so the whole reason why we pray and fast is because what it does is it forces us to think and process and ask ourselves this question, what do I want? Is God what I want most? If God is what I want most, watch this, am I willing to bring my lesser appetites under control of that? If God is what I want most, Am I willing to bring my desire for food underneath his authority? See, it's not just food. If God is want most, am I willing to bring my sexuality underneath? See, we talk a lot today in our culture about how we feel. Isn't that interesting? We use feeling language instead of thinking language. And, and the problem is how we feel, as Jeremiah 17 says to us, the heart is deceitful above all else 
Ain't nobody lied to you more than your own heart. And so what happens is we are controlled by our wants, but our wants are not blessed. We're controlled by our hungers. It's interesting Jesus uses those words. Hunger, thirst for righteousness. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you were so hungry for God you went without food to get it? When's the last time we were so hungry We wanted God more than anything else that everything that we did was subservient to that desire. See, that's why we do this season. Because I don't know if you're like me in any way, but by the end of the year, your wants are pretty messed up. You've wanted so many other things. And then you hear a message like this where Jesus asks his disciples, what do you want? And you say, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, well, are you willing to give up everything and come after me? I don't know if I want it that bad. See, nothing will reveal your idolatry like taking away your food. So here's what we're asking everybody to do. January 16th, not this coming week, but the next week, so you still have a whole nother week. We are asking everybody from January 16th to February 5th, all these details are on our website, by the way. At the top, there's a big banner, it says abide, you can click there. 21 days, we start on a Monday, we end on a Sunday, and we will take communion together at the end. Because communion, it's bread and it's juice, right? Because those symbolize the body and bread of Jesus. And that's symbolic to the fact that we've been munching on him for 21 days. We've been feasting. We've been hungering after him. And and we ask this every year. There's two elements to a fast that I am asking of everyone. One, that you do a media fast. A media fast. And I don't know what that is for you. It may be social media. It might be news media. Again, study after study after study has showed it's so, it's so crazy now of how our anxiety is through the roof because we are taking in too much information. So some kind of media fast. And for me, we talked, David and I talked about this on the podcast this week. I don't have any social media apps on my phone. And I've said this many times. If you have them and they, they uh, announce things to you, I think you're insane. I just do. In fact, if you're with me and you open up your phone because you just got a Facebook app, I just stop talking. One, that's rude. And two, walking around talking on speakerphone in public, what is wrong with you people? Don't nobody want to hear all that? Here's what I'm saying. Tool, uh, technology is a great tool, but it's a horrible master. You don't even realize you're enslaved to it because the moment it dings, you can't even stand in line or stop at a red light without pulling it out. Tell me I'm lying. You for sure can't go to the bathroom without it. 
I saw one in the other, uh, a sign in the bathroom the other day that said, this is a bathroom, not an internet cafe. I'm like, that is, I took a picture of it. I would show it to you, but it's got some other stuff in it that I can't show you in church. You're a slave to it and you don't even know it. So fast from media, our church will be fasting from social media as well, by the way. We will not post anything for 21 days. We tried that a few weeks ago or a few years ago and people were like, oh my gosh, how are people gonna get information? How, how How did we live years ago without it? I don't know. It's almost like all of humanity survived somehow. And then the second thing is we want you to fast from some element of food. Now, again, I realize there's medical reasons, all that kind of stuff. But everybody can fast from something. But here's why I want to push you. If you've been around our church, I want you to fast from more than what you've done before. Don't do like my daughter says sometimes, dad, I'm going to fast from vegetables. <laughs> well, baby, you don't eat them. So, so she fasts from sugar. There's other things she fasts from. So fast from something. Let me say it to you like this. If you didn't have it for 21 days, you think, oh, I might be sweet tea. I'm fasting from coffee. I love coffee. I've done that before, fasting from food. So fast from something food-related. But, but don't think of the lowest thing you can do. Why? And I'm not trying to shame you, but listen to me. Do you really want to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Because if you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness... It'll direct what you do because that's a hunger that's blessed. That's a hunger that you'll be satisfied by. Look, look at the, one of the next Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 8. I do have this on the screen. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If we put these two verses together, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Here's what's amazing. Here's how I think they work. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be satisfied because your heart is pure. And when your heart is pure, the satisfaction is seeing God. So if you want to be satisfied, it comes from seeing God. But the reason why we don't see God is because we're not willing to do what we need to do in order to get what we want. See, what's amazing to me When Jesus asked those two disciples in John 1, what do you want? And they say, we want to see where you're staying. And Jesus says, come and see. And then it says, they went and saw. See, seeing God is tied to wanting God. And if you want God, you'll be willing to Follow him. You'll be willing to deny yourself and sacrifice. Let me give you one last verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone. With everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for. 
We'll talk more about this next week when we get into habits. This week was about the heart. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See, the reason why we do this 21 days of prayer and fasting is not just because we think it's a good idea to give up food or media, although we do. It's also what we add in. See, also on our website, we have what we call the Abide Guide. And it's a 21-day guide that shows you, very simple tool, how to read the scriptures. If you've been around here, we talk about this a lot, the REAP method, read, examine, apply, pray. And then we have 21 days with 21 different scriptures. And we're calling our entire church to fast from some kind of media, fast from some kind of food, and then add in, instead of trying to figure out where you're all gonna eat together, now you're taking that time to feast on the word of God. See, fasting is not just about what you give up, it's also about what you bring in. You're fasting from something, but you're fasting for something. And these 21 days, these 21 scriptures... This is you saying, God, like Job said, I want you more than my necessary food. I want you. And here's the promise. The promise is, and this is why Jesus says it's blessed, you'll be satisfied. And why will you be satisfied? Because you'll see God. You'll see God in the scriptures. You'll see God moving in your life. You'll hear God speaking to you. You will see God. You will experience God. And here's the most amazing thing about God. He wants you to taste and see that he's good. You know, that's a scripture. Taste and see he's good. Why does God use this kind of savory language? because he knows how to speak our, our heart language. He knows you are the sum of your wants. So what do you want? What do you want? Let me leave you with this last quote when we're done from one of my favorite preachers of all time, John Piper. He said this, the root cause of falling away is not the failure to detect truth, but the failure to desire holiness. Let me say that again and I'll explain it. The root cause, the root cause is not the failure to detect truth. See, that's a process of the mind. But a failure to desire holiness. See, that's a process of the heart. See, our greatest problem is not just what we do. See, sin is not just what you do. It's what you want. Because we are what we want. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about you are driven by your wants? And no one has to tell you to sacrifice for what you want. It's like when you first fell in love. Did anybody have to tell you to go do things for that person? No. In fact, you did all kind of weird things for that person. 
Why? Because you were in love. See, when you're in love, when you want to be with someone, what you do naturally follows that. And so if you don't want God, if you don't want to desire holiness, then you won't do it. This is why information programs don't transform anyone because they just deal with it as a matter of willpower instead of a matter of heart power. Do you want God? Now, if you're anything like me, you probably do want that. But here's the good news. Righteousness or holiness is not something that's earned. It's something that's given. And God grants it to those who want it. But even if you're here today and you're like, man, I have so many other competing wants. Jesus says, faith like a mustard seed. That's all it takes. You can ask God, God, I want it, but help me. I believe, but help my unbelief. I want it, but help my other wants to come in line with this want. And the good news about Jesus says, if you hunger for it, you will be satisfied. Because you'll see God. So what do you want? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for first and foremost making us not just creatures who think, but creatures who feel and desire and want. You wanted people who want you. You wanted people to love and to share life with. But God, we took those gifts and we used them for what we wanted. And that's when sin entered the world. But God, thank you that you still wanted us, just like we talked about in Christmas, that you sent your son. And he sacrificed his life to get what he wanted, which was us back with you. And so God, I pray right now that we would ask ourselves honestly this question, what do we want? And God, I know there are people here today that have never trusted in you. And maybe for the first time, they're wrestling with this thought. And they were coming to the conclusion that they would rather have you. They want you. And so God, I pray right now you would save them. No one looking around or talking here as we close. If for the first time in your life, you are saying, I want God. And you're willing to 
confess. You're willing to admit that you're lost and you need to be saved. Then you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud. But this is when God will come and give you a new heart, give you a new desire, give you new wants. And so if you want that, it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son, Jesus, in my place for my sin. I ask you to save me, forgive me. Give me a new heart that wants you. Thank you for loving me. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just pray that with me and you're in one of our physical locations, would you just simply lift up your hand? We've got men and women that are here. They're gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand because we want to know who you are. So leave it up and when they put that in your hand, you can put it down. Within those of us who have already committed to follow Jesus, we want Jesus. But if we're honest, there's some other competing things that have gotten in that we want. And I want you to hear me say this. It's not bad to want good things. It's not bad to want a good family. It's not bad to want to have a good job. Those aren't bad. It just becomes sin when that's what you want most. Because what you want most directs what you do. It's not bad to want food. It's not bad to want to quench your thirst. It's not bad to want to be in relationship. But when any of those things become what drives you, that's what you want most. And so as we enter into this season, I wanna ask you this question again, what is it that you want? And if it's not holiness, then ask God to give you that want. Because that's the only hunger the hunger for holiness is the only one that is blessed. Father, I pray that as we prepare to enter into this season of prayer and fasting, the season where we want to abide in you, God, I pray that you would realign our hearts. You would reorient our hearts to want you, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, we've got a week to think about this, to pray about this, to ask you what it is that you want us to fast from. And so God, we ask you to speak to us. Help us to know what it is that we need to fast from because fasting from that thing will reveal how much of our lives have revolved around that. Maybe it's more than just food and media. But God, we are entering into this season because we are saying to you, we want you more. We want you. We hunger and thirst for righteousness because that holiness and righteousness allows us to see you. And that's what we want. We want to see you. So God, we pray that you would grant that request. In Jesus' name.
Amen.